0: Have you ever felt the echo of mischances, the silence where the sound of celebration should ring out? That sting of
1: lost opportunities is often due to a failure to truly connect, to resonate with potential clients,
0: to communicate the true value you bring to the table with passion and precision. The truth? Ah, it's not the lack of service quality that hinders, but the absence of warm, compelling and persuasive communication. These really are game-changers, the secret ingredients to turning maybes into definite. And that's where we come in at Teachable Moments.
1: So if you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business consultant, accountant, trustee, director, sales leader, subject matter expert, or anyone else offering professional services, this podcast
0: is tailored just for you. Time after time, opportunities are missed and businesses and careers stutter because of a lack of simple, teachable communication and negotiation skills. I'm David Sullivan's. And I'm Matthew Dashby-Hughes. Welcome to Teachable Moments. Coming up in this episode, we'll be talking about the pathway to perfect pitches, asking the right questions, getting consent from the person you're talking to, and then sprinkling some of your personal stardust on there.
1: David, today we're talking about pitching. So, so you must have pitched more times than most of us have had hot dinners. So, so tell me, how do you do the perfect pitch?
0: Don't know, Matthew. Never done one, never will do one. <laughs> I, think it's almost, I, think, I think it's almost impossible to do, or if you do do the perfect pitch, you don't know it's perfect when you do it. Most pitching that I've done is really a conversation. It's a conversation with a potential client. Sometimes it's more formal. Sometimes it's less formal. The most important thing is to do your research before if you possibly can and keep it personal. Um, because I've done things before where, well, it wasn't strictly a pitch, but many years ago, um, as a lawyer, you weren't allowed to advertise at all. Um, But I decided to try and do it in a way you work around the rules, if you like. So, for example, you weren't allowed to say you were an expert. So I put some uh, adverts in a marketing magazine that said, we're not allowed to say we're experts in anything. But if we were allowed to say that, we'd say we're experts in this. And I got a phone call from a guy who said, oh, oh," it wasn't even, he said, I love that. I love what you've done. I want you to act for me. And we stayed friends for 20 years. I mean, we moved away. And it wasn't that I did anything perfect. It was just, he liked the quirkiness of it. So I think it's really important when you pitch to get your personalities into it. Obviously, when you do any pitch, you're going to tell them about your firm, tell them about yourself, what kind of stuff. And I, I tend to do it in, I either start big and go small or start small and go big. So if I start small, I tell them about myself and my team and what we've done. And I might I, I, my ways, I joke a little bit, I try and create a rapport and it normally works, okay? Then when I've gone small and told about us, what we pursue, I then talk about the millions of lawyers at our firm standing behind us in security. I talk about, you know, at the moment we're the fastest growing law firm in the country. I mentioned that. In passing, it feels it feels that there's a there's a body of work and people behind us to make people feel secure. But I ask a lot of questions. I think that's for anybody who's pitching, before you get in there, ask questions. Ask find out what they care about. Find out what the story beneath the story is. Oh, I like what that. What they really want.
1: I really like that. The story beneath the story, because the, the the thing that your prospective client brings to you is very rarely the real problem. I mean, it might be the real problem, but it, it's it's equally possible that what they're telling you, it might be what they think is the issue, but maybe it's not right. Or maybe it's that they don't quite trust you yet. They don't quite know you yet. So they're not opening up just yet. So I, you just mentioned the word you know, building that rapport. I think that's so important because really what you're talking about here is building trust. Uh, and, and getting to that position where actually this is a this is a relationship of equal business stature. We trust each other enough to be able to share our problems and potential solutions. I mean, we might not be the right solution for you, but if we are, then great. Let's work together. If we're not, then at least we discover that together before either of us commits to a relationship and and maybe incurs costs that maybe is uh, it, is not the right cost to incur. There's
0: one thing I want that I actually only thought about just before we Kate came on when you're pitching. Uh, and and it's quite a large pitch. I always advise to pitch in teams, bringing other people to support you. But the big thing is, is to know what you do well and do that and don't do the other thing. Because you see people, I heard of an instance the other day, I wasn't in the meeting, but I heard of an instance where a very senior guy went in and pitched where he just kept talking, didn't ask questions. And it was nerves. Mm. what he was very good at was the technical side the junior person who was in with him i happen to know is very good at the personal side the connection and if she she didn't really have the the, the power there's a disbalancing power of her to say anything but if he'd let her just do the talking and he would have done the detail they would have got it
1: i think just building on that you're absolutely right because oh well there's a couple of things firstly there's a book that i read uh oh gosh, four or five years ago called uh, The One Thing You Need to Know. It's by a guy called Marcus Buckingham. Really, really great writer. And he, he makes a point in there. He said, if you try to mitigate your weaknesses or you try to only work on your weaknesses, all you're ever going to do is be less weak. You're never going to be brilliant at that. You'll only ever be less weak. But if you try to build your strengths, they will turn into superpowers. And so if you lean into your strengths and make those superpowers and then recruit to fill the gaps in your own weaknesses, then you will you will have a phenomenal team that will be really high functioning, providing you also then follow all the leadership principles that we like to talk about. So just be really brilliant at the thing you're brilliant at and then get other people to come in and be brilliant at the other stuff. And that's, that's uh, such good advice. The other thing that what you just said, which I'd love to unpack a little bit is you said you know it's about asking questions and actually the personal side of things and then you said let her do the talking and actually building on what you said she wouldn't have been doing the talking she'd have been doing the listening
0: and also if you and I've done a fair bit of personal development work if you're watching someone and they tell it's about congruity I think that's the word incongruity and congruity someone tells you something and their body language isn't congruent with them when you're asking questions, particularly in a meeting, it's, it's hard on Zoom and Teams and other platforms. Listen to the answers and watch for the answers. Yes, and sometimes you'll get something that actually helps you. I, um, I remember you asked me about a pitch that went well, and it was a. I was introduced on a deal to a potential client, and it was outside of my my specific area but I knew something of it, and I knew I could build a team around it. And I was quite excited about the potential of getting this deal. And I had a chat with the uh, CEO, and it was going really well. And then at one point, he, he told me that we were up against a very, very large outfit, but they were also doing the finance on it. And I asked him, and this is sometimes you ask a pointed question, is this a real pitch, or actually have you already decided? I, I, I often ask that. It's quite scary sometimes because mm-hmm. so, sometimes people can look offended, but I prefer to know. I said, because they're really, really top outfits. He said, um, uh, we know, but then they'll be doing both sides of the equation, the finance and the law, and they'll be seeing the same hymn sheet. And we don't want that. At that moment, he gave me an inroad. I knew why he was looking at us. And I knew for the rest of the pitch, I had to emphasize the difference. So my pitch then moved about us being this was a huge outfit, how we were personal, how we were uh, disruptive, how we all the things that we as a firm are proud of. And I often don't talk about. He'd basically given it to me on a plate. Yeah. I, it was easy. Absolutely. And that and that. So you've got to listen and watch.
1: Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. yeah. Basically, communication is a whole body experience. You know, you, you, yeah. you cannot not communicate. And uh, the, one, one of the things when I'm, when I'm mentoring people on this, uh, this side of things, the active listening side of things, which is actually yeah, uh, absolutely. a lot of the listening is not to do with your ears. It is to do with your eyes and your other senses. And, and the example I always give, I always ask the class, look, have, have you ever lived with somebody else? You know, and, and they always have done, whether it's a parent, a sibling, a, a loved one, yeah. whatever. I said, have you ever had that experience? where they walk into the room and you know what their tone of voice is going to be before they open their mouth you know exactly what mood they're in before they even say yeah, a word. Yeah. And, and and they all they all nod. there's always a few noddings in fact they all do the smile you just did right there because you straight away <laughs> you think of an example right and it's usually not yeah, a good yeah. one <laughs> it's usually yeah, the yeah, yeah. oh i'm in trouble example right that straight away says look body language is fundamentally important to communication it's absolutely, you cannot not communicate. And and they communicate so much more than they intend to sometimes. And and that's not sort of the, us being disingenuous or trying to, you know, sort of be clever or manipulative. It's actually just listening to them with our whole hearts and our whole, not listening to reply, but listening to understand. Yeah. And I think that's being really present for anybody else is the biggest gift you can give. And, and it's it's about relationship building apart from anything else.
0: I My questions will often go simple things like, Would you like me to tell you something about me? Would you like me to tell you something about the firm? I could do that or we could move on. What would you like? So when you ask the question and you get a yes, you've got a deal. You've got a deal that that part of it they will listen to. You've asked permission and you've been granted permission. It's consensual.
1: Oh, 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 I like that. Absolutely. And then, you know, it's, it's, Yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I'm going to add that to our, our takeaway. So permission-based, I think that's absolutely abso-
0: right. A- absolutely. I've always had that approach. I, I'm, someone must have taught it to me years ago. I used to do a thing, I don't less and less now, but when, because I don't, I don't get involved in so much detail, when a client used to come in and it would come to the end, the end of the transaction, and this is not really pitching, but it's past the same conversation. Um, I would say to a client, we'd be going through, say, a shareholder's agreement or something. I'd say, okay, how would you like me to go through with this? Do you want uh, headline points, few headline points? Do you want it in detail? Or do you want just bullet points giving the bigger area? We'll do it the way that you want. And that way, I knew what kind of person the client was at the end if I didn't know. So often, uh, you, th- th- you get some people, often the accountants would work everything. Okay, I don't have any accountants in this team. You're okay with me. Then you get the, the really entrepreneurial class. Just give me the top three points. Oh, and then yeah. you've got the, the middle and say, just give me the bullet points and if I want more, I'll ask you. And that way it's consent. The whole thing is a it's a conversation. So, so
1: the, thing, yeah. the whole thing about communication, it's, it's about that sender and the receiver. And actually it's more about the receiver because as a wise person once said, the meaning of communication is the response you get. So yeah. I really love the idea that actually, if you tailor what you say and the way you say it to the to the recipient, it's far more likely that the important information they want and need to hear will actually land with them. So, with somebody who's that highly entrepreneurial individual, as you've just described, they've got real active forward motion. They 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 are about outcomes, the bottom line. Just give me the just give me the big headlines. Right, be brief, be bright, be gone. That's the rule. Then with somebody who's yes. over on the more reserved side of the of the spectrum, who maybe is about the detail and structure and the nitty-gritty and the granular information, it's give me the facts, give me the details, and don't give me too much of the fluffy waffle. What you'll very often find with clients is that actually you get representatives with, from the client company who've actually got different personality traits because they complement each other, and you have to Absolutely. tailor your communications to both
0: of them. But also that commission thing goes along the way. So you go... Would you mind if I told you a brief story about that? I mean, I, I love telling, telling people stories, as you know, that's part of my, it's what I do. And our brain and our brain is a storytelling machine anyway. It, it, it does it. All. If, if, if we don't tell stories, it will make stories up anyway. But the point is, if you ask permission for it, because some people, most people in business, they go, why are you telling me a story? I don't, you know, but the story gets the facts over much, much more. So if you wrap the facts in a story, the impact on a brain uh, you learn it, you take it in much faster, and you're much more likely to retain it. But if you launch into stuff without permission, you can misread. And also, what you said just now is absolutely spot on, which is different people, they're different personalities. And sometimes, you and I were chatting just before we started, pitches go wrong. We, the one we had yesterday that um, a colleague of mine did. And um, it was a small pitch for a small, a small deal. And I heard her giving the pitch. And she was doing it perfectly. And there was a connection and intimacy in how there was great expertise explained in a simple way uh, that would have persuaded anybody. And even a potential client said, you clearly know exactly what you're doing. This is brilliant. And then it came down to price. And uh, she gave him the price for the deal. And he said, Let me think about it. And transpired, he had a, a he had a partner, a business partner we didn't know about. So there was some other decision-making process we didn't know about. And he came back, he said, I found a lawyer to do it for 30% of the price. Mm. And she was, Have you made your mind up? Yeah, well, I'm afraid we have. But it was, I really enjoyed talking to you, etc. So when we unpacked it later, we talked about how it might have been different. And frankly, it was a very, very good pitch. And We looked at how she might have explained it differently about the money. And uh, we talked about the fact that when you are talking about money, uh, often people compare, they always compare apples with apples. They compare one professional's fees against another. And it's as simple as that. Um, Sometimes it helps to compare apples with oranges. For example, what we did yesterday is we said, well, um," she, she said, and she actually said, well, what I could have done is said to the, to the potential client. Well, what are you spending on this deal? What's the purchase price? It was a retail deal. What's the fit-up costs? Now, what are the other costs associated with stock? And on day one, what's it gonna cost you to set up? It's gonna cost you that, okay? Are you convinced that we are experts on this? It's a return, he'd already said we were, yeah. So we know what we're doing and you know that. Now there's someone here, you know, who you heard about, who is gonna charge you that much less. I asked you just to consider whether that difference is important in the whole scheme of things. And you'll make that decision. And when we played that back, she said to me, oh, I wish I'd done that because we would have got it.
1: I totally agree. And that goes back to the point you made right at the very top of this, uh, this conversation, which is, well, just that. It's a conversation. The best pitches are two-way. It's reciprocal. It's listening to what matters to them. And, you know, when you when you sort of say, well, look, this deal is going to be a million quid for you before you even flick on a light switch. It seems like a lot of money to me. And, and, you know, is it worth the extra five, six, seven grand to make sure that you are completely and utterly risk free on this thing? And you've mitigated any of those challenges or or is or is it not? I mean, ultimately, it is it is down to you. And and only you can really make the decisions to whether or not the risk is a big enough risk.
0: Absolutely. You, You do learn a lot by your mistakes in these. Just one quick. We, we did one um, a pitch. with uh, this is the story of the pitches I didn't get. I um, <laughs> did a pitch uh, a couple of years ago. We done a, a really nice deal. It was a a pharma tech deal, and the, the 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 CEO or the chairman was also working in another country company, and they were going to do a set and, and and he pitched he pitched us the board to get the deal. And it was a long negotiation. It was the same sort of, and they knew we were experts in it. We asked lots of questions and there was a proper tender thing. And, but, but we had the in and we had the conversations and we're always going really, really well. We knew we were up against two or three other firms, but they knew how good we were at what we did. And a question was asked, seemed like an innocuous question, which was how will the cash flow on payments of, invoice, of, of bills work? Will it be front ended? Will it be top ended? Instead of asking the question, how important is that to you? And what would it look like in its best form to you? We just gave the answer. Oh. And and they came back and we didn't get it. We were really shocked. And and we were told that um, it was because they wanted to pay it a certain way and the other firm had offered that to them. Such
1: a good takeaway. If anybody asks you a question, don't answer it until you know why they're asking. Because they're asking it for a reason. There's something there that matters to them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be asking. Yeah. And and that is Absolutely. that's like free market research. All you need to do is just ask. You you know, if you yeah. want better answers, ask better questions. I love that.
0: Absolutely, Matthew. Absolutely, I love that expression. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was just. Uh, to this day. I think I would have really enjoyed doing that one, but you know, you learn. You you really do. And
1: you know what I'm loving about this is you learn from the things you don't get more than you learn from the things you do. And and from both of the the reflective stories you just talked about there, you unpacked it afterwards. And I think that is the magic. That's where the marginal gains live. If you can unpack the things and say, okay, where did this all go so wrong? Where did we what what could we do better next time? I mean, what could we do even better on the stuff that did work? And to that point, yeah. even, if you can do that sort of post-call evaluation, as it were, e- even when you've been successful, so celebrate the win. Of course, always celebrate a win, but then say, "Okay, where yeah. did it all go so right? How did we win this? Yeah. Why did we win this?"
0: That is true, but it's human nature. Once you've won it, you've won it, and you're right. busy on the. Let's have, let's have a let's have a, let's have a toast and then get on the deal. And it's and but uh, uh, but if if you could stop and do and of course what we have done before, I know quite a lot of people do this. We have written to people who we didn't get the deal and said, could you just help us out? Would you mind telling us why we didn't get it? Yeah. Um, which is a yeah. it's a good thing to do. It sounds great. Uh, it's a little bit thankless sometimes because they haven't given you the deal. They're slightly right. embarrassed. I don't believe the answer you get is always authentic. It's, it's something like, oh, you were really great. There was just a small point one of the directors won. And you think, that wasn't really
1: it. Interesting. I had this happen to me last week. I got some bad news. I got a guy who would basically dropped out of our process and, and was saying, actually, I'm going to go with one of the competitors. And I was, I was gutted because this guy was really good. I, I mean, he would have fitted in really, really well. And I have to say, I was, my first thought, and it was a cowardly thought, I'll be honest, was I'll park that one. I'll give him a call next week. And I thought, no, oh, come on, Matthew, you got to eat your own dog food here. You 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 preach the, you preach the, the <laughs> you preach the message that you should always go and take your lumps and find out where you went so wrong. Yeah. So do do yourself a favor and actually walk your own talk and, and pick up the phone to this guy. I know you haven't got time, but do it anyway. And do you know what? I'm so glad I did because I picked up the phone to him, uh, which was you know leveraging the relationship that we'd already built because there was genuine rapport there. To the point that you made, it's a genuine personal connection. And I said, look. I, I'm, I'm genuinely gutted. I, I thought we got on really well. I felt like there was a really good cultural fit. I felt that it was going to be a great success story for you and for us, if I'm being honest. I thought there was real mutuality of benefit here. Listen, I, I, I don't spare my blushes here. I've got my tin hat on. I've got my flak jacket on. You cannot hurt me with this stuff. You can only benefit me. There was, a, there was some brilliant data that came out of Salesforce a couple of years ago that said that businesses that actively seek out and act upon constructive negative feedback grow 600% quicker than those that don't. So I'm, wow, I'm here, really? yeah. I, I'm I'm here with my growth hat on. So please don't spare my blushes yeah. and be as brutal as you want. What could we have done? Should we have done to make this a different outcome? I'm not saying it's ever going to be a different outcome, but I really want to learn from this. If I can get anything from our investment time, I want to get a lesson please help me out. And he was like, so gracious. He was really friendly, but he didn't, he didn't pull his punches. He was really honest and open with me. And and it was, and it was great. I got, I got two or three great takeaways. Uh, And so having the courage and the vulnerability to go in and have that kind of conversation, it's never pleasant because you do always hear something.
0: (laughs) That's so powerful. That is, do you know, that is, this is this is i'm going to pick out yours now this is the other way around okay it's something that most professionals never do in conversation with clients pitches or otherwise they don't use personal terms they don't don't say i'm really gutted they use these unemotive we would very much like to have we would love or i actually said to a client a long time client i fell out with my oldest client i I dumped him about six months ago we had a conversation yesterday we've been friends our whole lives and we're now back. And the conversation went along the lines of tell, he said, tell me, I said, I feel betrayed. He said, what? You betrayed me, here's what you did, here's what you, he said, oh, I can understand how you felt that way. And Then we had an hour and a half conversation and now we're back. Now these are simple things you might say to a friend or a loved one, but people don't say it in business. I don't hear it enough.
1: The point that we were making about keeping this personal relationship personal, well, yeah. Any relationship starts with emotion. You know, it starts genuine connection. Yeah. and You can't fake that. It has to be real. It has to be no, authenticity no. to it. And if you if you feel something, say it. Have the guts Absolutely. to have a real connection. Absolutely. Love. Uh, and,
0: and do you remember you and I on a panel a little while ago with a, a, an employment lawyer, and she told the story of uh, a client or a potential client that she was at a large company, and they had to make a lot of uh, people um, unemployed. Yeah. And the guy who was doing it was a CEO, I think, or, or certainly a high up, was in tears at the time. He was so upset. And she was there at that moment and she said, I'll help you. And that moment, I think I probably said on that you've got him. He's got you. Mm. You're there in someone's worst moment, most vulnerable, and, and you reached out.
1: It's about human connection. It's about being in the trenches with them and being on their side of the table um you know if if there's you you have to have a benevolence of intent towards them and have their best interests at heart i think that's fundamental yeah. and if you don't understand them at a genuine empathetic level you won't ever truly authentically have their best interests at heart you talked about being congruent and that's that's critical to
0: it so i want to just jump back a little bit because we've talked a lot about the personal side which is Very important. You also need to get your story right. I have a pitch I do sometimes where I talk about, particularly I do a lot of work in the corporate, in the hospitality area. So we're often talking to, sometimes entrepreneurs, sometimes CEOs of large groups of of restaurants, of clubs, of whatever, and, and they'll be buying them, selling them, whatever. So I will go in, for example, and I will talk about our for what do we do for them? I talk about us being like a pop-up restaurant, okay? And that that we create for them. There's a big sign on the door of that pop-up restaurant with their name on it. And we build that when we start the transaction. And we put all the chefs in there that they need, i.e. the lawyers, and none of the chefs that they don't need. They only pay for the ones that they do. And sometimes it's the big pop-up, and sometimes it's a small pop-up restaurant and it just depends on the size of the transaction. And at the end, I, I'm, I'm a metaphor guy. The
1: best way to get inside somebody's head is to ask them questions because they have to cognitively process to be able to come up with an answer or to tell them a story. And a metaphor is basically just a little story in microcosm. It's creating an image.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I, 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 I use it a lot. When, when you're explaining um, detailed concepts, and that's really – and that some of that's in pitching as well, where you're explaining a concept. Uh, they, they might be buying a company and explaining shareholders agreements and disclosure letters and things that every corporate lawyer knows how and due diligence and parts of it. Try and use some sort of metaphor, some sort of simple thing, which brings me on to one thing I almost forgot. Sometimes you'll get asked to pitch on an area that you don't know very well. It's ancillary to you or you've done some of it or – and the question is asked, do you, have you actually done that work? Okay. And professionals get very worried if they haven't done that specific thing. And I've had lots of conversations with lots of people about this. And I'm, I've come to the conclusion that in 90% of transactions, um, not more than 10%, normally more like 8% of any corporate transaction is sector specific. Okay, so whether you're buying a, a petrol company, okay, or you're buying a restaurant, 90% of it is the same, 95%. So you just bring the guy in who knows a bit about that. Don't be afraid to pitch for work that looks like it's outside your area. If in fact, it's within the general area. And I hear, oh, I've never done that before. You don't need to have done it. You just need to know a man who's done it.
1: As long as you've got somebody within your powerful network who who is a genuine sort of specialist in that area, they can come in and they can fill the gap for you. It means that the client is getting... Absolute top notch service, and you are also winning the business, and you're building that relationship for the future. And also, let's be honest, you're building your own skill set as you go along as well. So, you know, well, that's it's, it's, it.
0: It's great to learn.
1: If I can sort of wrap this up with a little bit of a, a summary of, of some of the key, key yeah. takeaways here, I think there were so many, but if we were to say, you know, the first thing is about really keeping it personal. And to recognizing yes. the, the, the the things that really truly emotionally connect with between you and your prospective client, keep it permission based. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. you know making sure that we have total permission to ask the questions that we need to ask and to be able to even tell them the information that maybe they don 't always want to hear but they do need to hear, and again that goes back to and builds upon that personal relationship and and, and finally, I think it 's probably a little bit of keeping it purposeful as well, recognizing what the purpose is from their point of view. What You know? You talked about losing a deal because you hadn't asked the question of why something was important to them. What really matters to them? That's the purpose and it's really critical. Yeah. And if I could build on that with one final takeaway, we always start, aim to give three takeaways in these sessions, but I think we've got a bonus fourth one here and, it, and just luckily it's another P, which is a post-call evaluation. The power yeah. of actually reflecting on what it is you've done, staying curious for a bit longer. Why did I win that? What went so right? what went so wrong there were some great takeaways there and hopefully everybody's got something truly actionable out of today so thank you David your, your insights as always thank great you, Matthew. Fun. it's been amazing that was wonderful <laughs> thank that you, was fantastic Matthew, Matthew. thank you We want to hear from you too, so hit the like
0: button, leave us an honest review, and please share with friends, colleagues and anyone you think would benefit. Yes, and make sure you take action and benefit from these teachable moments. Don't forget to be here next time. We'll have more tips and tools that you won't want to miss. So subscribe
1: now and stay informed. And we'll see you next time on Teachable Moments.